Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Well, good morning, Celebrate. And welcome as we continue our series, Built Tough. We're looking at four areas of our life that we should be strong in. And I'm so grateful for Pastor Keith, not only at all the time he takes into writing these messages, but also the fact that he lives these messages out by his personal example to my life and to, to all of us. Now, last week, Pastor Keith and Pastor Noah talked about what it means to have strong faith, because that's the foundation for everything. Well, today, Pastor Tim and I get the joy of talking on one of my favorite topics, and that's strong finances. So if you have your Bibles, would you open up to Proverbs 29, Proverbs 29. You know, one day a young man went to apply for a job at a New England factory. When he got there, he was ushered into the office of the owner slash president. And when he walked in, he realized that the owner was a very, very nervous man. And the owner said, we only have one position available, and that's as vice president. And whoever takes that position will have to shoulder all of my worries. The young man thought, well, that's kind of an interesting job description. He said, but okay. He said, uh, can I ask what the salary is? The owner said, I'll pay that man a half a million dollars a year, but he's going to have to shoulder all of my worries. The young man thought, wow, that, that's a lot of money. But he said, okay, that's, that's good. He said, can I ask, where's the half a million dollars going to come from? He said, that, my friend, is your first worry. <laughs> money is the number one worry in our world today. Whether it's national debt, personal debt, whether that is do we have enough money to pay the bills today or looking long-term for finances, it's a major worry for a lot of people. In fact, most surveys would also say it's a major area of discontentment within the home and within marriages. In fact, who you marry can have a drastic impact on your finances. The late Robert Schuller said it this way, whether a man ends up with a nest egg or a goose egg depends upon the chick he marries. That's good. <laughs> One man was talking, and he said, man, he said, you know, since I've been married, I've, I've become a millionaire. The guy said, really? He says, what were you before you got married? He said, I was a multi-millionaire. <laughs> Everything that God created, he created for success. He created you for success in every area of your life. But then he also created a set of laws that govern the success of that topic or whatever that area is. Here's the key. Laws work for you if you obey them. Laws work against you if you disobey them. Any of you found that out in speeding laws at all? God has set you and I up for success, and that includes financially. But he has set laws in motion that allow us to have that success. And so today we're going to look at six eternal laws of God's finances. And I want to start off by reading... Proverbs 29, verse 18, together. This is out of the New Living Translation. This is a great, great verse, but I want us to read it out loud. Would you read it with me? Here we go. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Think about that. When people don't accept divine guidance, they run wild. Can we personalize it to this topic? When people don't run their life by God's divine Financial laws, their finances run wild. But it says when they obey the law, they are joyful. So six 
eternal laws that Tim and I are going to talk about today. And here's the thing that I love about these laws. These laws will work for you no matter who you are. They'll work for you if you're young or if you're old. They'll work for you if you're male or female, married or single. They'll work for you if you went to Penn State or you went to the state pen. Doesn't matter. They'll work for you. They'll work for you if you're good looking like me or if you look like Tim. It doesn't matter. These laws will work for you. So let me encourage you, grab your phone, grab something to take notes because we're going to be very, very practical today and give you a step-by-step journey of how to succeed using God's laws of finances. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you that you created us for success. And God, finances is one of those areas. And God, you want us to succeed financially so that we can be a blessing to other people. But God, you set up laws. So God, would you help us today not just to hear your word, but now to put feet and hands to it. So God, convict us, whatever area that we are not obeying your law in, so that we can be in the position for you to bless. So we say thank you for all that. Ask this in your name. Amen. If we want to have built tough finances, the first thing we have to understand is that God is our source. Say that with me now. Say, God is my source. This is called the law of ownership. See, something being your source, sometimes we don't always know what that really means, but it looks kind of like this. This morning, I had a beverage that had caffeine in it. And if you've noticed, having beverages with caffeine, whether it's coffee or energy drinks, it's like a multi-billion trillion dollar industry in this country. They're all over the place. And so I I had one, and it, it supposedly gives me a little jolt or makes me a little more awake or alert. And so I have that, and I generally have that every morning. It's a big part of my life. But I also have this other thing that is this clear liquid that doesn't get nearly as much hype. It's called water, right? I had some water, and I don't really think about it as much. I just throw it back. But here's the thing about water. If I don't have water every, like, three days, what's going to happen? I'm going to die, or I'm going to be in the hospital. The thing is, water is my source, It's my source of life. It's my source of so many things for my body to run and function properly and for me literally not to die. In the same way, sometimes I think we look at God when it comes to our finances like he's kind of like a Red Bull for our finances. You know, that that little extra jolt, that little extra pep, that little extra blessing. Like we're doing our own thing and then we'll just take a quick shot of God and that'll just add a little bit. But here's the thing in my life. God is the living water's. Everything that I have comes from God. He's my source, and especially in my finances. Everything comes from him. Philippians 4.19, it says this. It's going to be up on the screen. It says, my God shall supply all of your needs through his riches and grace through Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all of your needs. This is such an important foundational cornerstone for us to understand if we want to have strong finances because if we don't get this, what's going to happen is we're going to get to a place where we think our source is something else. You know, our source is the things we do. Our source is our job. Our source is our investments. Our source is our money, the things that, the money at least that we can control. But here's the thing, that's not the case that's why, that's why Jesus said not to put your treasures here on earth, but to put them up in heaven. That's why in Colossians, it tells us that we should focus more on the things of God than the things here on earth. That's why in Psalms, it tells us that the Lord's and the, the earth is the Lord's anyways. That everything comes from God in the first place. It's so, so important for us to understand that God is our source. And the thing is this, 
If we don't get this, so many of us find our identity, our safety, our security in the things that we can control, the things we can create, our job, our investments, the things around us. Here's the thing. What you find your security in is where your source is. For any area of your life, where you find your security is where you find your sources. And the thing you have your security in is the thing that if it's taken away, that you're going to completely and totally freak out. That everything is going to feel like it's coming down around you. The key is to put your security in something that you can't lose. Something that cannot be taken from you. The thing is, if you think your job is your source, well, if that gets taken, everything's gone. You're going to freak out. You're going to be anxious. It's going to be a complete and total meltdown. But if God is your source, then you understand that if the faucet gets turned off, well, God's going to turn on another one. If the door gets closed, God's going to open another one. If the window gets closed, God will find a new window. Because I don't, my source isn't my job. My source isn't my income. God's my source. He's going to supply all my needs. So often I think, though, the reason why we get this mixed up is because we think that somehow when we have a job or when we go out and earn money that it's us doing it, right? It's, it's my things I can do. It's my talents. It's my work that I've put in. But in Deuteronomy 8.18, it tells us this. Always remember that it's the Lord who gives us the ability to produce wealth. God gives us the ability to produce wealth. Think about it for a second. Today, the breath in my lungs is a gift from God. I don't know how many of you have tried to work while holding your breath for like the whole day. Try it for eight hours. Let me know how it goes. Even into more things like my mind, the thoughts in my head, the gifts that he's given me. It's all from God. It all comes back to him. Which means this. When it comes to my work, when it comes to your work, God wants you to be productive. God wants you to do well in your work because he's given you the ability to do it. The fact is, God is okay with prosperity as long as you do it his way. I want you to read this verse out loud with me. Romans 11, verse 36, it says this. Everything comes from God. Everything exists by his power and everything is intended for his glory. Everything is intended for his glory. This is called the principle of ownership. Because here's the fact, God owns it all, but he loans some of it to you and to me for his glory. Here's a question. If you got everything you ever wanted financially, you know, all the riches, you got everything you wanted, whatever that number is for you, whatever that amount of money is for you, that you've always thought, oh man, that, that would be, that'd be living big, that'd be rich. Here's a question. Would God get the glory? He might, but the question goes back to a second question. Is he getting the glory right now? If he's not getting the glory right now, he's not going to get it when you get more money. That's how that works. The thing is this. A key principle I think we have to understand is that what you think you own is really on loan. What you think you own is really on loan. Because not only does God get the glory in my life for the things that he gives me, the thing is this, it's not mine anyways. 
Everything that I think I own is really on loan. And let me explain this for a second. At my house, my wife and I have a beautiful house. It's awesome. It's a huge blessing. But here's the reality. On all the tax papers and all the things, our name's on it, right? Technically, it's our address. But here's the issue. We don't really own our house. I mean, technically, if you really go into all the papers, there's a bank. Many of you may have had to do this, too. You know, where you have some of the money for a house, but then you get a mortgage, right? The, the bank puts some money forward, and although our name's all over the house, if we stop making payments to the bank, we're going to have some very awkward conversations, right? It's probably not going to end well, because the reality is this. Technically, the bank owns our house. Why? Because they paid the price for it. They're the ones who put something of value forward. In my wife and I's life, we are very, very aware of the fact that God paid a price for our life. There's a reason that we have eternal life with him, but also just the life we have today, the things that he's rescued us from, the way he's led us and guided us, and the way he's blessed us. He's the one who paid the price. So everything in my wife and I's life is his. We understand that he's our source. He is the source of everything in our life. That's why we give him all the glory, the honor, and the praise in every single area, but especially in our finances. So the first thing we have to understand is that God is our source. It's extremely important to understand. The second thing we have to understand, though, is to honor God first. This is called the law of tithing. We've talked about this a lot for a lot of years, but I'll say it again. Anything you want God's blessing in in your life, any area, he has to be first. Do you want God to bless your marriage? Then he has to be first in your marriage. Do you want God to bless your business? Then he has to be first in your business. Do you want him to bless your family? Then he has to be first in your family. And if you want God to bless your finances, then he's got to be first in your finances. I want you to write this down. God cannot bless something that isn't planted. God cannot bless something that isn't planted. He has to be first in our finances. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says it this way. Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. And he will fill your barns to overflow. The Bible teaches us that right off the top, I give God a portion of my income, a tenth. I give him the first portion. It reminds me, first of all, that everything belongs to God. And that he is the source for everything in my life. Deuteronomy 14 says, The purpose of tithing is to teach us always to put God first in our lives. Let me tell you, this is why my wife and I tithe. Because God's first. He's number one, so we give to him first. And we do this for a lot of reasons, but one of them is this. We live in a world, have y'all noticed this? Every commercial, every advertisement, everything around us is all about one of two things. It's either about money, like tools for money, banking, or what you can buy with money. It's all over. The reason most people work is because they want the money so they can go buy something, or they can go get something, or get the next thing. It's all over, especially in our world today. And so for my wife and I, when we have this moment where we come and say, God, thank you for this money, we give you the first part because it's all yours anyways. It's this moment where we step back from the way the culture thinks because God says our thoughts are not his thoughts, our ways are not his ways, our kingdom is not his kingdom. And we say, God, we want your kingdom first. We want your will to be done. It's all yours. It's like my wife said when I was talking to her about this. She said, our goal with tithing is that we would align our valuables with our values. Because the thing is this. We can say we value things all day long, but you put your money where your mouth is. 
So here, here's, here's the thing. If we value God in our life, if we value God's will in our life, if we value God's blessing in our life, then we have to be able to say our values align. Or should I say that our valuables align? That we put something towards it. And when we do this, when we tithe, when we give a, the first fruits of our income, it says three things. First of all, it tells God that we're grateful for the, for the past. How many of you got a past? Anybody? Man, I'll tell you what. I got a past. I got some things in my life that I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for God. So that's the first thing I get to do. When I give, I say, Lord, thank you so much. The second thing is that I'm telling him that he's number one right here in the present. God, you're the boss. I'm not. This is all yours. And the third thing is I tell him I trust him in the future. I'm saying, God, here you go, because I know you're going to take care of us. You've already done it. And so with that then, where do we do this? Where, where do we tie that? Well, in Malachi 3, verse 10, it says this, Bring to my storehouse a full tenth of what you earn. Test me in this, says the Lord, and I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the blessings you need. It's kind of like this. I got some cookies up here. I know y'all probably haven't been paying any attention because these look so delicious. Y'all probably been looking over here going, oh, do we get one or, you know. Imagine this. Imagine I did say I'm going to share with you, right? I said I'm going to share some cookies with you, and I did this. I said, you know what? Um, Listen, here's one for you, and then I'm going to take, like, two for me, right? Um, You know, here's one for you, and uh, I'm going to take, like, three for me, right? And I just kept going. You know, I'll give you one, give myself two over and over and over again. Are we okay with that? Some people say no, but let me just remind you, these are my cookies. You didn't bring cookies to church. I was prepared. They belong to me. So the question then is, I can do whatever I want with my cookies, right? I can share them with whoever I want to. I can give whoever I want. Well, here's the thing that we've kind of found and we've already talked about today. The fact is this. These cookies belong to God. Everything belongs to him. It's all his. When it comes to my finances, he's, he gives me everything. Everything I need, everything I could ever have, even the breath in my lungs. It's all his. They're his cookies, if you will. And this is what God does. He says, you know what? I want to give you these cookies. You know what? I'm going to give you these cookies here. Here's 10. You take nine, I'll take one. And we have a problem with that. We say, God, what, what, what about the, what? A... They're his. When we get that, when he's number one in our life, when we understand that he's already, instead of focusing on the one, we focus on the nine that he has given us. All the amazing blessings he's given us. It changes everything because the reality is, it's not ours anyways. So we have to ask ourselves then, Who really is the source of our finances? When it comes to our life, are we focusing more on the things that we do or do we understand where it really comes from? Second, though, we have to know that we have to honor God first. Are we taking the first fruits and saying, God, this is yours. It's all yours. Do we understand that law of ownership? Do we understand the law of tithing? But then third, do we save money faithfully? This is called the law of investing. Someone once asked John D. Rockefeller, who was the wealthiest man of his time, they said, how did you get so much wealth? He said, well, it's simple. I I did three things. I took my money and I tithed on the first 10%. 
I saved the second 10%, and I lived off of 80%. Man, that is amazing advice if we could actually apply that in our life. And let me just say, if you can't afford this, if you're someone that says, I can't afford to save money, I can't afford to tithe, let me just contend that maybe you're spending money on some things you shouldn't, or should I say, you're outspending your income. It's like this. When we take this strategy and we pay God first, then we pay ourselves second, and then we focus on our bills third, it set, sets things in a great order in our life. And I promise that when you live under this reality, it changes exponentially. In Proverbs 21, verse 20, it says, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. You know, they did a study internationally of how different countries save money, and they found that the average Japanese person saves about 25% of their income. Then they did a study in Europe, and they found the average person in Europe saves about 18% of their income. Then they did America, where they found that the average person spends 1% more than they make. Go USA. You know, when we were growing up, you might have heard the old teaching, don't buy something until you can pay cash for it. Anybody ever hear that from a parent? Yeah, it's still amazing advice. Credit is all around us. People are always saying, oh yeah, buy now, pay later. It's all over the place. There's an old commercial, not old actually, it was pretty recent, from Verizon. And it had this really cool, catchy song. I don't know if you guys remember it. It went something like this. It would say, I want it all, I want it all, and I want it now. That's how we, that's a perfect battle cry for how we live in America so often. The thing is, though, if you want your money to work for you rather than you working for it, you've got to save. And I just want to give you a little secret. It's not that important how much you save, but how often you do it. See, habits aren't built on the quantity. They're built on how often you do them. When you, when you say, I'm going to save money, okay, maybe it's this much for now, but when you consistently do it, it builds a habit and it'll grow exponentially in your life. So the first thing we have to do is understand that, man, God is our source of everything. It's a law of ownership. The second thing we have to understand then is that God is first. We got to honor him first in everything. It's called the law of tithing. And, and then finally, this third one is that we've got to save money faithfully. We've got to invest our money instead of watching it all go away. It's called law of investing. Finally, and for the last three, Pastor Reed is going to come out. Tim forgot taxes. <laughs> if you heard the verse in Deuteronomy, it says that God gives you the ability, say the word ability, ability, ability to create wealth. How many of you want to be successful financially? You all should, because then you can be blessed to other people. It says he's giving you the ability to create wealth. Didn't say that he just gives you wealth. And unfortunately, I think in our country, what we want is the second. We just want a given and not to have to work for it ourselves. Reminds me of the story of, <clears throat> of the young girl who went to college, notified her parents just after Thanksgiving that I've met the man I'm going to marry. I've met him. 
Can't wait for you to meet me. I'm going to bring him home for Christmas and can't wait for you to meet him. And they're just going like, whoa, okay. Well, they, they arrive and the wife says to the husband, listen, take him out for breakfast. We don't know nothing about this guy. What it, t- find out about it. So, okay. So he takes him out for breakfast and, it, and the, he asks his potential son-in-law, says, so, you know, what are your plans after college? What is it you're thinking of doing? And the young man just smiled at him and says, dad, God will provide he goes, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that faith. I have that faith as well. But let me ask you more specifically, what are some of the areas that you're really maybe interested in from jobs or those kinds of things? What are you, what are you thinking about? And he looked at his potential father-in-law and said, Dad, God will provide. He says, okay, let me ask you really just really clearly. You're going to marry my daughter. How are you going to take care of my daughter and family? How are you going to do it? And he said, Dad, God will provide. The husband comes home and his wife says, well, how do you go? He says, well, I found out that he has no goals, he has no plans, and he thinks I'm God. (laughs) God gives us the ability to create wealth. So we talked about the first three things. Here is number four. And this one's a hard one, and a lot of people chafe at this one, but it's important. Keep good records. Keep good records. This is the law of accounting. Now, this is easier said than done, but there's tremendous tools out there for you. There's software, there's apps, there's all kinds of things. Can I tell you the best tool that I found? Paper and pencil. (laughs) This is what I use all the time, but most people have no idea. Mark Batterson says it this way. If you want to break records, you have to keep records. But most people don't really have any idea of where they're really at, and you can't build something if you don't know how much material you have to work with. I like Proverbs 21.5 says this. Plan carefully and you'll have plenty. Think about that. Plan carefully and you'll have how much? Plenty. If you act too quickly, you'll never have enough. Have you ever heard the expression that money talks? You ever heard that expression at all? It doesn't. But it does walk right outside your door and doesn't say a word. You know what's crazy? Most people have no concept of how much money goes through their hands in their lifetime. Think about this. In America, the average medium lifetime income of an individual, $1.7 million will go through your hands minimum in your lifetime. You're already a millionaire. Most people have no concept. And yet $1.7 million goes through our hands and 46% of all Americans say that they struggle financially. The average savings account right now for Americans, average $5,300. Average credit card debt per person, $5,500. They don't keep records. In fact, if I can give you a recipe for financial disaster, here it is. Easy credit plus ignorance equals financial disaster. It also pays for the Sanford Premier Center. Okay? So just FYI. There are two numbers you should always know financially. Always know. Now, if you don't know these two numbers, let me encourage you by the end of this week, know what these numbers are. You have to know these numbers. Here's the first thing you need to know. You need to know what is my net worth. What is my net worth? What is that? That is everything that you own minus everything that you owe. That is your net worth. So if you own a house, own a car, whatever else, and then whatever debt you own, that that should be your net worth. And hint, it should be a positive number. A lot of Americans, it's not. Here's the second number that you, you need to know, and that is what is my cash flow. And what is that? That is your monthly income minus your monthly 
expenses. That is your monthly cash flow. Another hint, that should be a positive number. Those are two numbers you should know all the time. Here's what Proverbs 23, 5 says. Your money can be gone in a flash. Have you ever figured that one out? Then it can be gone in a flash as if it's grown wings and flown away like an eagle. You know, I think that's hilarious, that verse, because on every U.S. currency is an eagle. I mean, think about that. I, I find that this area, number four, keeping records, is the one that a lot of people don't do. And they say, well, I'm just, I'm not a detailed person, or it's just not my personality or that. Uh-uh, uh-uh, you can't get by on that one. Should I tell you the number one reason I find people don't keep records? They don't want to face reality. They don't really want to know where they're really at financially. Let me give you encouragement. Reality, whatever those numbers are, it's just reality. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just reality. What you do with reality makes it good or bad. If you decide that you're going to put your head in the sand and ignore it, because how fast does a year go by? Like that? And all of a sudden, it's just another year, next Christmas, and the next Christmas, and nothing's changed. If you decide to ignore it and put your head in the sand like an ostrich, can I remind you what part of your body is sticking up and what you look like? That's what happens. God's laws can't work for you if you don't keep records. Here's number five, then. Once you've kept records, plan your spending. Say that with me. Plan your spending. This is the law of budgeting. We read it earlier. Plan carefully, and you will have plenty. That's what the Bible says. Here's a, a thought process. In fact, repeat it after me. Spend it on paper before you spend it in person. That's the law. Don't spend anything until you've spent it on paper first. So take a list of everything that you spend and put it down and put it on there. Now, <laughs> let me ask you a question. How many of you ever bought something that you regretted later buying? Everybody has. In fact, you know what's interesting? The largest majority of car accidents in this country happen on car lots when people buy something they should not have bought. But we buy it on impulse, right? Ever done that? Impulse when your heart was beating louder than your head? Here's a rule of thumb. Here's a rule of thumb. Never buy in the moment. Never buy in the moment. I don't care how good it looks how much money you can save, never buy in the moment. If it's not a part of your spending plan, don't buy it in the moment. If it's that good, it'll be that good tomorrow. Sleep on it. I promise you. Or you can do like I do. See, I do this all the time. We see something that, okay, we would really like that. It's outside of what we'd put aside in our spending plan. Set a reward for it. Set a goal, set a reward. So when we have maybe this much extra in our savings or investments, or if you have debt, this much more debt paid off, then I can get it. So plan your spending. Now, a spending plan, again, we're going to get detailed here, has three parts of it. I encourage you to write these down because these are key parts to your financial plan. Number one, it is a written budget. A written budget. That says that everything that you spend, it's down on paper. Now, basically what you need to do is just take, if you've never done this before, just take the last two months of expenses, write all down and see where, where did the money go? Have you ever ridden with somebody that had no idea where they were driving to? Now, if they're with you right now, don't point them out. Just, just nod your head. But we've all done that. They have no idea where they're going. And that's where it is a lot with people financially. 
And sometimes people think, well, I don't want to. Man, that's so limiting to me. Can, can, I, can I remind you something? I still remember when a guy told me this. He said, Reed, always remember that only tight wads have a wad. Loose wads have no wad. So if you want a wad of money, you better be a tight wad with it if you want to have one that way. Here's what Proverbs 21 says. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to what? Over and over and over again. So develop a written budget, and a written budget that you look at and you live by, not the one that you did a year ago and it's somewhere in the storage somewhere, okay? So a written budget. Here's the second part of a plan should have, though. A repayment plan. If you have debt of any form, do you have a repayment plan? Now, this is important because... I've just been with them. I've seen people that, man, they have multiple credit cards, da, 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 whatever the case may be, and they're getting behind in some things, and they're avoiding the phone calls. The phone calls that some people just want to say, Merry Christmas to you, we'd like some money, please, kind of thing. Let me encourage you, do not avoid the phone call. Nope, that's your responsibility. If you owe somebody money and you've not worked out a repayment plan, call them and work out a situation with them. It's important for you to do that. In fact, here's what the Bible says in, the, in Proverbs 3. Don't withhold repayment of your debts. Here's what Romans 13 says. Let no debt remain outstanding. And let me give you one more encouragement on this one. If you have a debt and it's a minimum balance due on something like a credit card, that never just pay the minimum balance. If you have a $3,000 credit card debt, you'll pay that off in 45 years. You will at the minimum, and you will spend, you will spend thousands of dollars initially, so spend more than that. In fact, let me ask you this question. How many of you have taken Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University class? Let me see your hand if you have. Okay, some of you have. Great. If you haven't, that should be your Christmas present to yourself or someone this year. Absolutely. It is the greatest $100 you will ever invest in your life. It will, t- it will multiply itself tens of thousands of dollars back to you. But it'll teach you what's called a snowball debt structure that you can actually pay off debt much faster than you ever thought you could. We have a class coming up in January. You can go to our app and you can sign up for that right now, okay? So that's a part of the repayment plan. But here's the third part of a written plan. Man, people don't do this one. Build a will. Develop a will. If you are married and you have even just young children, Man, make a will, make a will. I can't tell you, friends, how many families I have seen, I've walked through, that they are devastated because they didn't think ahead. Because if you and I want to think ahead and plan where our money's going here on earth, we should also plan where our money's going when we're gone. And if you don't plan where it's going, the government will, lawyers will, and your family are going to fight over it. And you don't think they won't, I promise you, you don't understand. I've seen it over and over and over again. Cindy and I have a will. Our kids already have a copy of it. They know what's going on. I don't want to be any surprises at all. Man, for the sake of your family, put together a will. <laughs> Talked to one guy once and he said, he said, I'm not going to do a will. He says, when I die, I want it to be a real tragedy. <laughs> going, oh, my land. Oh, okay. Well, God's eternal laws. We talked about five of them and they're in an order. God's your source, honor God first, stay faithfully, keep good records, now build a spending plan. And here's number six to finish it off. And it's a key attitude. Enjoy what you have 
not what you don't have. It's the law of contentment. Ecclesiastes 5 says this, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. Someone asked Howard Hughes, who was a multi-wealthy man years ago, they said, how much money does it take to make a man happy? He said this, just a, a little more. You know, obviously we set goals financially, and you should set goals and things that you want to strive for. But in the moment, you need to be content also with what you have and realize that God has given you a lot more than, than we deserve. Am I right? Always kind of thing. The definition of status, boy, we see a lot of it in this country. Buying things you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't like. Don't chase it, because once you start chasing it, it never ends. And that's become a lifestyle for a lot of people. Here's how Paul says it in Philippians 4. I love this. You should mark this down in your Bible or, or somehow connect it. So when you get to your Bible, write this out. Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry both of having abundance and suffering need, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's a good word. Contentment's on the inside. It's not what you got. It's what's on the inside of you. I want to finish with this verse because, man, I, this one really struck me this week when I read it. Pastor Keith had showed this one to me in Luke 16. Look at the correlation. If you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of eternity? Ouch. What that says is, read, you will be accountable to God for everything that went through your hands. You're going to be accountable for your wife. You're going to be accountable for how you raise your children. You're going to be accountable for everything that God gave you. I'm going to be accountable to it. And then to tie it with the fact that how I am accountable or what I did with it here connects it to eternity. Wow. That's why we need to take this topic seriously. So let me ask you, how strong are you financially? Maybe not even in the moment, but do you, are you in a position where you can actually be used by God to bless a lot of other people? Or even let's extend it out. When you leave this earth, will your strong finances continue to bless people even when you're gone? God gives you and I the ability to create wealth, the ability, but it's our role now to implement his six laws. And I promise you, friends, these laws will work if you work them. You know, collectively, we've seen God do some wonderful things. Collectively, celebrate, we've either drilled or refurbished 18 wells in Liberia. And including Peace Island, that means 67,000 people have been blessed with water and health systems that they didn't have before. That's wonderful. We've seen 135 children in Liberia be sponsored by you through World Hope. They get education, they get meals. That's a wonderful thing. We've seen 33 children be adopted into forever families because you supported those families in their adoption journey financially. We've planted 30 churches and home churches. And a lot of you know that, we're gonna plant a bunch more, but man, those things are all happening because out of your generosity, because of finances. Now here's the question. What would happen if every one of us got strong financially, applied the laws, and were strong financially, not just to bless you and your family, but beyond that. What if we could be extravagant in our giving because we were strong financially? 
So what would happen instead of, a, let's say, 18 wells, if we could do 100 wells and hundreds of thousands of people could impact? Instead of 135 children, what if we could sponsor 1,000 children? What if instead of 33 children being adopted, what if we do 300 children that are adopted? Instead of 30 home churches and church plants, what if we could do 100 churches and impact hundreds of thousands of people? Why? Because we're faithful to what God did, and we implemented these laws, and we became strong financially. We're going to do university here, Southeastern University. What would it be like if we had 50 students full-time that are applying themselves, preparing to go into ministry full-time, and every one of them had scholarship money because we were strong financially and we could support that? See, that's why God wants you to be strong financially, so you can be a blessing to other people and that your living will outlive, uh, sorry, your giving will outlive your living. That's true success. So what's your next step? We talk about six principles. You can see them on the screen. What's your next step? Pick the next step. Number one, is God your source? If you've not given God control of your life, that's, that's the starting point. These are in a sequential order. If you have, then are you honoring God first? Are you tithing? If not, that's your step. If you're doing that, great. Are you saving faithfully? Are you doing 10%, 10% and living on 80? If that, that's your next step. If you've done that, are you keeping records? Not that's your step. If you have records, do you have your plan? A financial plan of budgeting, obviously repayment, and a will. Do you have it set up? If not, that's your plan. And lastly, then be content in all things. Let's finish where we started. Proverbs 29, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. Their finances run wild. But whoever obeys God's eternal law of finances is joyful. I can tell you this, I'm a very joyful person. In all areas of my life, I'm a very joyful person financially. These laws work, absolutely work if you'll work them. I promise you that. And you will be blessed beyond what you can imagine. Father God, thank you that your laws apply to all situations. They're not just words on a page. They're words in our heart. So God, I thank you that you not only give us the ability to create wealth, but then you give us the laws and the guidance on how to do that. God, not for our benefit, but for the blessing of other people. God, what a great thing it would be if we all became strong financially and then we could bless people and see hundreds of thousands of people come to know you because of, of our ge just great generosity. And God, that, that generosity would outlive us all. We say thank you for that. Help us to be strong people in our finances. We love you. We adore you. And all God's people said. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless.